So the biggest, biggest bucket, so you put it, would be uh, the ischemic heart disease that you get from blockages that we just talked about. Uh, then, then there's that's that's the that's a, that's a disease of the blood flow, the blood circulation of your heart. And then you have diseases of the muscle of the heart, the heart, the heart muscle itself. The heart is a pump. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast, and I'm your host Maya Acosta. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life. Let's get started. Are you interested in reducing your risk for heart disease? If so. Tune in as I sit down with Dr. A.J. Joseph, a leading cardiologist and expert in lifestyle medicine. In this episode, we delve into the crucial role of lifestyle choices in reducing the risk of heart disease and the risk factors that women must be aware of. Get ready to learn how to prioritize your heart health and prevent the development of this deadly disease. As always, the full bio and the links for each of my guests can be found on the website, HealthyLifestyleSolutions.org. Let's meet Dr. Joseph. Welcome, Dr. Joseph. Pleasure to be here, Maya. So early in your career, you were introduced to lifestyle medicine, which is fairly rare. Tell us how that all got started. Yeah, it was quite a quite a uh, life changing experience for me working uh, under Dr. Kim Williams, as you might know, who is uh, he is considered to be a pioneer in the field of preventive cardiology. And uh, uh, what I really learned from him was the importance of nutrition as the foundation of uh, of heart disease, and not just heart disease, just lifestyle diseases, which encompass uh, heart disease, strokes, dementia, cancers, obesity, high blood pressure. These are all lifestyle diseases, and uh, new, good nutrition, exercise, things uh, things like that, which we hope we'll be talking over the next hour are kind of the, the foundation, uh, the foundation for, for, uh, for treatment, treating all of these conditions. So working with him over those three years was, uh, was uh, quite an eye-opening experience where I learned that uh, the, the, the way he put it was that you can, uh, you, can, uh, you can only treat these diseases, lifestyle diseases are best treated with lifestyle measures, uh, meaning if not, you are literally limited to uh, mopping the floor when the faucet is open. And that is something that has stuck with me since the time he, uh, since the time I worked with him. So his his focus, and uh, after working with him, my focus has been uh, to, be, to, to 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 talk a lot about uh, lifestyle uh, changes that can that can uh, that we know from data have uh, are are way more consequential than uh, medications, tests, procedures. There is a role for medications, tests, procedures, absolutely. But uh, we cannot ignore the fact that uh, good lifestyle choices should be the the, the foundation for for wellness, and uh, that is what I, we we try to stress in with our patients, uh, with our colleagues, with our family members, and all that. Absolutely, yes. I've had some guests on the show who um, were very close to having what is called a widow maker, and they are various conditions associated with heart disease that I would love to see. We can kind of go down the line a little bit of what are those conditions? What should we look out for um, in terms of symptoms? And then maybe we can move on to lifestyle uh, modifications. So uh, if you just go by statistics, by, by pure numbers, you know, uh, heart disease uh, is the number one killer in this country. Six, almost 700,000 folks die of heart disease every year. To put that in perspective, about that, that comes down to about 2,500 folks dying of heart disease every day, and about almost 35 every 35 seconds, somebody's dying from a heart attack. 
And uh, uh, so that, and, and the, the number one uh, reason for that is what we call ischemic heart disease, meaning heart disease that is caused by blockages in the blood circulation of your heart. And your heart has these three tubes, three little arteries that supply blood to your heart. One that goes in the front, the back, and the right side. The one in the front is predominantly the most important one, and that's what we call the, the, the so-called widowmaker. And uh, that is uh, having a heart attack in that blood vessel is, 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 uh, can be quite, quite consequential and, uh, and uh, is one of the most dangerous forms of heart attack. That being said, we also need to understand uh, the, the, the pathophysiology or the mechanism of heart attacks. A heart attack does not necessarily happen from a 50% blockage going from 50 to 60 to 70 to 80 to 90 to 100. That's not necessarily how a heart attack happens. Uh, more likely, it's from a, from a small little 20, 30% plaque, which ruptures and goes from 20 to 30% to 100%. Right? So uh, that, that, that rupture, that plaque rupture that happens, that, that, that event, that is predominantly uh, determined by certain factors. One of the most important factors that determines that small little explosion that happens is inflammation within our coronaries, our blood vessels, our bodies, which is why uh, treating that those root causes is, 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 is really important. One of the most common causes of inflammation uh, within our bodies is what we eat, and, and which is why nutrition is so important when it comes to preventing a heart attack. And, and if you break it down further, in what we eat, what is it that causes the most amount of inflammation is processed foods, uh, animal content, which is, uh, which is uh, predominantly a big part of what we eat typically in a, a standard American diet. So uh, uh, when, the, when you have plaque buildup, this plaque buildup does not necessarily start off like five years back or six months back or a year back. Plaque buildup starts off in your teenagers, in your, in your teenagers, 20s, 30s. That's when plaque buildup starts off. So, uh, and as we go along, as we go along with, with poor dietary choices or poor lifestyle choices, that plaque buildup gets, gets more and more significant. So when we look at heart disease, it's not necessarily uh, something that starts off really like six months back or a year back. This is something that has been going on for quite some time, which in, in some ways gives us some hope because if we do all the right things, there's a good chance this is not going to be a problem at all. For example, if we are uh, we are following the WHO recommendation, which is basically five to six servings of fruits and vegetables a day, we are limiting our processed foods. We are limiting the amount of animal content that we take. Uh, we are limiting the, the 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 fast food, the junk food that we are so used to. We are limiting. We are increasing our exercise about thirty minutes a day, thirty to forty-five minutes a day. When we focus on sleep, when we focus on stress management, when we when we when we tackle all these factors together, that is what really significantly decreases your risk of a heart attack. In fact, what we know from statistics is that if we combine all of these things and 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 work and work in that direction, your your risk of a heart attack drops by drops down by about seventy five eighty percent. So you could be having. Even if you had a bad set of cards to be dealt with, you could still play your cards well. Meaning, if you still have a genetic profile that that was bad, if you do the right things, if you lead a healthy, healthier lifestyle, your risk is significantly less. To say that is very promising. Uh, the more that I read, the more that I realize that as I get older, my risk for many things go up. For the same reason that you were just explaining, that over a uh, ten. 
20 years, if I'm not taking care of my health, I'm building up all sorts of conditions that make it favorable for one of these chronic diseases to develop. Is that what's happening? Absolutely. That's exactly what, you know, Dean Ornish, Dr. Dean Ornish is considered to be one of the pioneers in lifestyle medicine. And what he, he mentions it pretty aptly, what he calls it the unifying theory of lifestyle medicine. And what is that? So when uh, when uh, when you are doing these things, which we just discussed, uh, a, a diet that is predominantly made of whole unprocessed foods, five to six servings of fruits and vegetables a day, nuts, seeds, uh, and you know, uh, having at least thirty minutes of exercise, getting your good sleep, uh, working on stress management, positive connections. These are the five or six six pillars of lifestyle medicine that we talk about. When you're doing all, when you're focusing on all these six pillars, it's not just for your heart. It's for your brain, it's for dementia, it's for cancers. 40% of cancers are from a preventable cause. So when you're doing this, this is not necessarily just for your heart, it's, it's, it's for everything, which is why we know from, you know, the proof is in the pudding, right? Proof is in the pudding, and the folks that we know live in these five, six blue zones, uh, the five, five, six blue zones, which are uh, Okinawa Island, Japan, Sardinia and Greece, Ikeria in Italy, uh, Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica and 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 Loma Linda in California and, and some rural areas in China. We know uh, these 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 folks who were led by Dan Buchner from National Geographic. They went to live there, and what they found was a common theme. A common theme. Uh, these folks were walking, they were exercising, they're keeping themselves active, and the, the 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 common theme was a diet that was predominantly made of all the foods that we just talked about. Doctor Joseph, you might know this, but many of us women just put things off and we say, oh, that chest pain, the heaviness, it'll go away. I, can you speak to us about specifically for women, what to look out for and why it's important that we, we visit our doctor to make sure that everything's okay? I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, when I mentioned about those statistics, the 700,000 folks dying of heart disease, half of them are women, half of them are women. And, and of those, so it's, it's not necessarily the, the perception that men have more heart attacks. No, that's not true. Women have a have have a significant risk of heart attack, which is which is uh, which is almost similar. Now, what's more more uh, what's more concerning is the fact that, as you mentioned, that women typically are are homemakers. They are they have so many responsibilities at home, and uh, and we and women typically do not uh, present uh, as as frequently as they should. To an ER. In fact, coincidentally, I just literally finished my office this afternoon, and the last patient that I saw was a lady who who presented to the hospital a few years back with just some nausea and some really some shortness of breath. That's all she had. Right? She just had that and some nausea and shortness of breath, and they did some further testing, and she was she was actually having a heart attack, and they, she was taken to the lab and all those things. So the reason why I say that is that. A lot of the time, symptoms in women do not necessarily need to represent or are similar to what we think about, the chest pain, the angina. A lot of the times in women, they can present with symptoms, what we call atypical symptoms. I Meaning it could be some nausea, it could be some shortness of breath, sometimes be uh, some dizziness. Uh, none, uh, so we, uh, we got to have a higher threshold uh, to recognize that with women. And uh, as you said, Keep make, making sure that we know that we women need to take care of themselves to take care of the household. You can only take care of your household if you take care of yourself. So that understanding needs to be, we, we need to probably uh, propagate that more, bring more awareness to that. 
and uh, and as I said, the atypical symptoms that we can present more with uh, with women. The typical symptoms, uh, as uh, some folks might know, would be the chest pain that you get, the pressure like chest pain that you get in your in the on your chest, which could be the left as well as the right. So not necessarily always the left side. About thirty to percent of the time, you can have chest discomfort, which is predominantly right side as well. So it's pressure like it's 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 a feel squeezing. It's it's associated with some nausea, some sweating. Sometimes the pain can go to your arm, but again, not necessarily always going to your arm. So those are things uh, that we got to keep in mind and be aware of these symptoms. And if you have any of those, you should definitely be calling your primary care or going straight to the ER. Absolutely. Now, what is the difference between when you're having those episodes, you're having symptoms that something is happening as opposed to that first initial symptom that can sometimes be just the heart attack itself, difference between heart failure and heart attack, and if there's anything in between? So uh, heart disease in, in camp- encompasses a, a large, it's a big uh, umbrella. And in that, in that, you divide that into different categories. So the biggest, biggest bucket, so you put it, would be a, the, the ischemic heart disease that you get from blockages that we just talked about. Uh, then, then there's, that's, that's, the, that's, a, that's a disease of the blood flow, the blood circulation of your heart. And then you have diseases of the muscle of the heart, the heart, the heart muscle itself. The heart is a pump. And it's basically made of cardiac muscle. And if you have weakness in your heart muscle, be it congenital, be it from blood, from the blockages which have made the muscle weak, or it just could be something called non-ischemic cardiomyopathy, where the muscle of your heart gets weak and it's not able to squeeze out all the blood that it usually does. So that's that's what we call cardiomyopathies, which are basically uh, a weakness of the muscles. And then you have another subset of diseases called electrical diseases, arrhythmias, basically. Your heart is a pump. And it gets its uh, its electricity through an electrical system. And when you have problems in that electrical system, be it running too fast or running too slow or having uh, the palpitations and things like that, that could be because of problems in your electrical system. And then you could also have problems in your valve. Your heart is, a, as I said, a pump, and it's the flow of blood in your heart is 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 uh, is, is, is uh, kind of guided by these valves. If you have problems in your valves. You could have you could have shortness of breath. You could have chest discomfort and all that. So it really depends upon which bucket you fall in. A lot of these symptoms kind of overlap between all these four big buckets that we just talked about. There's so much to take in, so much to learn. But the good thing is that no matter what age we are at, we can do something right now to reduce our risk. Um, now, I was wondering, so I know that you mentioned um, in the bio, we read that you have a program, a lifestyle medicine program. Is this a cardiac rehab model? And can you tell us more about it? Sure. Yeah. Now, now let's let's say you, you know, we talk about uh, about healthy eating, uh, about how to eat healthy at home. Uh, but a lot of patients we, they, we treat do not have necessarily have the skill set uh, to cook healthy at home. Uh, uh, or they might not know uh, uh, something like grocery shopping, like where do you, how do you read a food label for that matter. And, and you know, there might, be, there might be folks who are working two jobs and uh, grabbing uh, McDonald's for breakfast and Denny's for dinner. Uh, so the idea, the, the whole, the, the fundamental idea behind this is this program is to give patients the skill set uh, to, to kind of develop their own skill set to be able to know how to cook healthy at home. Because we know if you cook healthier at home, you if you cook at home, you we know you eat healthier, 
It's just it's just a given. It's just that's a, that's a fact. So uh, what we have is uh, is about twelve to fifteen patients with heart disease, diabetes, the, the the lifestyle disease that we talked about, high blood pressure, obesity, who come in and they they come in as a group and we we we, we divide them into into four, three or four groups, and each of them has a has a cooking station with everything ready for them to cook. And uh, we have a professional trained chef uh, who basically guides them through cooking. We have a curriculum that's set up for them, and starting from how to chop an onion, all the way to how to make a a, a nice chili. So, uh, so uh, over the over the span of eight to nine weeks, they learn their, these skills, and in in those nine weeks, they also get to get to uh, speak with the dietitian who who runs uh, who who runs a small little course on the side, telling them how to read food labels, how to buy or do your grocery shopping, how to how to plan your meals for for the week. Then we have a set a didactic session with a, with a physician who. Talks about the importance of all these things with when it comes to heart disease, strokes, cancers, and then last but not the least, we have a therapist who run, who has a half an hour mindfulness meditation session with all these patients. So now we we talked about as you said, you just mentioned about stress. Stress is a significant significant factor when it comes to heart disease. Uh, what I uh, what I uh, just like sleep sleep. Stress. These are things which we tend to ignore. We don't. We don't necessarily pay as much attention to that, but they are independent risk factors for heart disease. So, in that mindfulness session, what we're doing is that we're not decreasing uh, the stress of the world. Stress is part of our lives. That is, uh, we are not going to be able to decrease the stress, but we can learn skills to handle that stress better. And that is because the way we handle that stress is what's how, how that's going to affect our heart. And part of that mindfulness session is having our, our therapists teaching our these patients our patients uh, mindfulness techniques, breathing techniques, uh, meditation techniques, which they can go home with and develop on their own, so that when they have a stressful event, they know how to deal with these things. And you're also creating a sense of community and support Absolutely. by people coming together. So they're not all necessarily heart patients, but the conditions they're living with could put them at risk for heart exactly. disease. I'm so glad that you mentioned the, the, the community. You know, we uh, one of the six pillars of lifestyle medicine, as you might know, is 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 that sense, a positive connection. And you know, we there is a, there's a growing field, and it's a growing robust base of evidence which which suggests that social isolation is is and again an, uh, a significant risk factor for heart disease, especially in the COVID times that we just we just oh, we just got over COVID now. So it's really important for for all of us to kind of understand that that is again important. And when I say so, when we talk about positive connections, it does not necessarily mean Facebook. It means meeting people, meeting people, uh, being maybe maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's finding a book club uh, or finding somewhere where you actually physically meet people. So it's really important that we keep that in mind as well. Yeah, this it's absolutely important. And the more that I learn and the more that I talk about these things, the more that I realize that people need two things and you're covering them. One is just to go back into the kitchen and learn those basic skills. And the other one is just having that support and how amazing it is really that you're leading this movement in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's just incredible. Most of us may never um, have those exams or tests to, to check for our heart health. 
but how soon can we see an improvement or begin to realize that we're making a significant change once we begin to adopt these behaviors, these lifestyle modifications? That's a great question. You know, uh, our, 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 what I like telling my patients is that, you know, our, our body is kind of the most sophisticated machine that has ever been invented, right? It, it, we have it in our own bodies to deal with so much of that we put into our bodies. We have our own anti-inflammatory mechanisms, which are working 24-7. It is only that the, the amount of information that we put in is overpowering the amount of mechanisms that we have to kind of take care of those to those, take care of that information. So literally, when, when what research shows that within, within a few weeks, a couple of weeks after you make these changes, your body begins to, to respond in a different way. You see things like flow-mediated vasodilation, which is basically the, the, way your, the way your blood vessels respond, the, the number of inflammatory markers that, that are there in your system, those go down dramatically. The way your, your heart muscle, your cells, everything responds, the way they respond to what these changes that you made, those changes happen rapidly within a few weeks. Uh, and uh, th that's the beauty of all these changes, that you're giving your body a chance to kind of deal with these things on its own. So just within a matter of weeks, that's so encouraging to know because many times we think, well, we lived a certain way for many years. It's going to take me another 20 years to reverse all the damage that I might have caused my body. But you're saying, no, we can, we probably will start to have more energy, more mental clarity immediately. Our blood sugar will normalize our hypertension. I, actually, I was wondering if you can speak about that because I often think about, um, you know, hypertension as being one of the risk factors for heart disease. Can we talk about that and other risk factors, for example, weight issues and again, what we can do to improve those conditions? Yeah. So coming back to what you said about reversing, you know, when you have, a, when if you have, if you do have blockages already, we make, when we make these, uh, these changes, it is unlikely that all those, let's say you have a 50 or 60% blockage. It's unlikely that despite all the dramatic changes that you would make, it, it would come down to 0%. That's probably not going to happen. And it does not need to happen necessarily. What you're trying to do is that preventing it from getting worse. And that itself is huge. That itself is huge. Right? You're preventing from that 30% plaque from rupturing and causing a heart attack. That itself is huge. So, uh, so, uh, and, uh, and, and so when you, when you talk about, when we talk about reversing, those changes, as I said, happen within a couple of weeks. Coming to your question about hypertension, hypertension is, again, another uh, significant risk factor for heart disease. Now, there are two different kinds of hypertension. There's one that is what we call primary or essential hypertension, and then there is something called secondary hypertension. Most, most oftentimes, the blood pressures that you've heard of are, are what we call essential hypertension. And uh, a big chunk of that is, is, is related to our, our, our lifestyle choices. So uh, what it means is that if we increase our physical activity, if we are, are, are focusing on the foods that we just talked about, less processed foods and more plants, more vegetables, legumes, beans, and all that, that uh, having five or six servings of fruits and vegetables, managing our stress, but having good sleep, that can definitely decrease your blood pressure significantly. Now, obviously, there's a role for medicines. We, we don't want to be just taking, taking ourselves off medicines and just focusing. There's a role for medicines. But if, let's say you were on three medications, and if you were able to do all these things that we just talked about, for sure you'd be able to at least get your blood pressure better controlled. 
and maybe come out one medicine. That's just one. That's just for the blood pressure gun. I mean, it can also, besides the, the, that significant decrease in your risk of heart attack and strokes and all that. Okay. And um, that's something that we can also manage just with the right foods. And of course, exercise, which um, how quickly can we see an improvement in our blood pressure if we implement these things? Again, it's, you're talking about weeks here. You're talking wow. about weeks to months, right? You're not talking about years. You're not talking about decades. No, you're talking about weeks, within weeks to months. In fact, if you look at any of the of the guidelines for, for blood pressure management or for diabetes management, or for uh, cholesterol management, the first, the first guide, the first recommendation from any of these societies that American cardiology is, uh, uh, is 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 lifestyle lifestyle recommendations for the first three to six months. Why? Because we know from data, it, with, if you do these changes within within a few months, you see a, a significant decline in your all your parameters. I was also wondering if we can touch on younger women in general, because when we think of ourselves as being at risk for heart disease, we always think, you know, the older women. Um, and you and I met at the pregnancy subcommittee for the American College um, of Lifestyle Medicine Women's Health Interest Group. And what I've learned, which I found very surprising in terms of pregnancy, is that women who go through a pregnancy with a condition, for example, like preeclampsia or gestational diabetes are now having gone through that, are considered being at a higher risk for developing other complications such as heart disease. I was wondering if you want to speak about that, what you can share, and are you seeing younger women as patients? So, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, the, the talk about the pregnancy aspect of it. The Kaiser system in California, they, they did a study a couple of years back where they looked at the prevalence of preterm labor preterm labor and how how what are what are the links between lifestyle and preterm labor and what they found was about 60 to 70 percent of preterm preterm labor can be attributed to our lifestyle choices so that's how significant uh lifestyle uh, uh choices are with, with regards to preterm labor itself and uh, when you talked about preeclampsia gestational diabetes right uh, there is a perception among a lot of people that once you've had the baby, then you're not at risk for blood pressure or diabetes later. Now, that risk is still there. Even after you've delivered the baby, that risk still continues unless you are being aware of that and making some good changes to address those risks. So uh, that, that that is something that needs to be, uh, more folks need to be aware of that, that your risk does not go down to zero right after you deliver the baby. So, and, and that is, and that risk, Continues with each time, like for example, if you have another another baby, you you're still that risk goes up again. So that needs to be understood. That's important to know. So I guess, and when we talk about pregnancy, yeah, pretty much preparing ourselves for the stressor that yeah. will be added to the body. Coming back to what you just asked about uh, about younger oh. younger women as well. Yes. So uh, I I kind of drifted, but uh, yes, yes. You know, as we as we. Uh, we live in an age of technology, of stress, or fast food. Uh, you know that the, the the prevalence of heart disease is 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 definitely increasing. And with, with young, the, the the prevalence of heart disease in the younger folks, men and women, is increasing. Now, uh, again, which is why it's so important we, that we talk about all these lifestyle changes as early as we can, because uh, as I said, plaque buildup does not necessarily start off. In, in your 
twenties, you know, thirties, forties, starts out really early in your in your teenagers. So the, the the earlier that we can get our younger generation on healthier habits, like eating healthier, having less fast food, getting that exercise, mind uh, focusing on stress management, getting good sleep. Let's talk about sleep, for example. You know, a lot of our youngsters and folks in the younger generation, they don't necessarily get a have a good have good sleeping habits. And uh, you know, sleep by itself is an isolated risk factor for heart disease. So, uh, for example, if you have somebody who's not sleeping well, they will that by itself, or having erratic sleep patterns, that itself is a risk factor for heart disease. So, yeah. So uh, we, uh, as you as you were saying, the, the, we have to bring more awareness of all these things with our younger generation as well. I tend to have specialists like yourself who come on the show to share these wonderful tips. And then I'll have people ask, well, my cardiologist doesn't encourage me to eat more plant-based. You probably hear this all the time that most of us don't have a plant-based cardiologist in our area. So what can um, people do when they just don't have a specialist on board like yourself? So I, I have to uh, preface that with there is a there is a there is a definite role for medications. There is a definite role for medications if you have a heart condition, like for example, if you have blockages, if you've had a heart attack. We know from data, we know from data that statins have been shown to be good in those situations. Uh, if you have a heart condition like congestive heart failure, we know from data that beta blockers. Uh, 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 ACE inhibitors, medicines like Ingresto, they are good for your, med- for your heart. We know from all this, from when you have AFib, these medications like beta blockers and all are good for your heart. So uh, please take that into account when, when you go see your, your cardiologist. Uh, there is a, an abundant base of evidence when he is suggesting these medications. Now, that does not mean, uh, uh, that does not mean uh, we, we can put all our eggs in one basket, which is what lifestyle medicine tries to advise, that you you have to have a foundation of, of good nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress management, and, and along with that, medications and procedures and tests are our supplement. So uh, both of them kind of go, go work simultaneously. And to answer your question about where you can get resources, a, a, lot, of, a lot of good I do suggest uh, uh, your viewers to go to these websites like nutritionfacts.org. Uh, that's the website run by Dr. Michael Greger. That's a really awesome resource that you can get a lot of answers for your questions. Uh, Dr. Dean Ornish has uh, has a book called Undo It. Uh, Undo It. That's a really good book that that I highly recommend that you read. Uh, there's another book called How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger, which is, again, a wonderful book. And uh, it gives you a lot of uh, resources of, uh, for, from all the way from data on, on nutrition all the way to recipes. So, so those are, there, there, is, uh, there is an abundant uh, 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 sort. There are abundant sources of information on, on this field. There's another book by Dr. Colville Estelstein, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. So these are resources that you can use uh, to build up your own knowledge bank. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I love all those books, especially Undo It. It's one of my favorites. Um, at the time that my husband was being trained and learned to treat cardiovascular disease, atherosclerosis, uh, Dr. Dean Ornish was reversing heart disease. And it was only, it's only been seven years since we learned all this information. And it's so disparaging and discouraging. And yet at the same time, it's incredible that that's why I say so early in your career that you would have learned all of this. Um, 
because many specialists that learn the information 25 years later wish they had had access to this. Um, you're changing lives. It's, uh, I really commend you, Dr. Joseph, for what you're doing, for having this lifestyle medicine practice and program in place to support your community. Um, if people are interested in learning more about it, um, is it open to the public? Is it just for your patients? How does this work? How can they learn more about it? Well, you know, uh, my, the, my my hospital administration have, has been incredibly supportive of, of all the the, the, the projects that I'm, I've been working on, and uh, and uh, I we are right now it was it's it's in the pilot phase, and we do uh, plan to expand it to different populations, and uh, hopefully the next time I meet you, we'd have a much better, a bigger uh, product that we can or, or a program that we can talk about. But uh, as of now, it's it's actually limited to uh, the employees, our employee health. And uh, but we we, have, we do plan to uh, open it up to the general public quite soon. Well, I think that's so cool that it's open to the employees. What better way to take care of your staff, your people, than to bring them on board with lifestyle? This is incredible. Absolutely. It really is. Um, so I was wondering if you wanted, if the, you know, this is a big topic um, and we don't have enough time within the hour to talk about everything, you know, everything from uh, treatments to testing to stress test, uh, tests to see if you, you know, if you have something to be concerned about. So there's a lot, but I was wondering if there, is there anything we didn't cover that you would like to share in a, in a few minutes? I think, I think uh, besides what we just talked about, those five, six pillars of lifestyle medicine, the nutrition, the stress, the sleep, the exercise, the positive connections, uh, uh, we, you can also speak with your, you should also speak with your, uh, your primary care or your cardiologist about uh, getting some screenings done, which might not be, uh, which might, which might not cost much at all. For example, you could always get a lipid profile for your cholesterol, you could always get hemoglobin A1C to make sure you're not a pre-diabetic or a diabetic. You can also get uh, something called LP, little a, which is lipoprotein little a, which is again a marker for heart disease, for for blockages. You could also get a calcium screening test, a CT calcium score, which is quite a a cheap way of knowing, quite an inexpensive way of knowing uh, if you have any plaque buildup. And uh, you can, when you combine all these these tests together, you can have a, you can get a, a good sense of what's your cardiovascular risk. Okay. Thank you for adding that. That is actually important um, doing like your, your, when we do our annual checkups, we can, should we ask our doctors for these additional tests to screen for things that may like A1C, for example, or our cholesterol levels are important to check every year. Absolutely wonderful that you um, added that as well. Um, so Dr. Joseph, are you reachable if people want to um, ask you more questions? Do you have a website, uh, a social media that you'd like to share or anything like that? I, I do have a link. I, I recently went back in social media okay. for <laughs> a LinkedIn profile. So I do, I am available on LinkedIn okay. and, and my, uh, my office is available for any, any calls or questions that they, they have. Um, the office number is 918-494-5300. Uh, and uh, uh, I work at St. Francis Heart uh, uh, and Massacre Institute in Tulsa. And uh, if I can be of any assistance, do let me know. 
Wonderful. And I do have the link for your LinkedIn profile. So I'll add it to the show notes. It's uh, I want to thank you once again for taking the time to speak with my listeners, um, because it's absolutely valuable to hear it directly from a specialist who sees that um, what we can do at home with lifestyle modifications it significantly can reduce our risk for heart disease. So I want to thank you again, Dr. Joseph. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm thankful for today's insightful conversation about women's heart health. It's clear that heart disease is a leading cause of death in women and that lifestyle choices significantly can reduce our risk for this disease. We're grateful to have had Dr. Joseph on the show today to share his expertise in lifestyle medicine and highlight the importance of making healthy choices for our heart. With a focus on good nutrition, exercise, stress management, and positive relationships, we can take control of our health and reduce our risk for heart disease. To all our listeners, we highly recommend taking the steps necessary to prioritize your health and work with your healthcare provider to determine the best action for you. If you've been listening to my Thursday health tips, you would know that I have been addressing each of the pillars of lifestyle medicine and have provided useful tips and resources to support you. You can always go back and revisit those episodes for this month. If you're interested in learning how to incorporate more plant-based foods into your lifestyle, you can visit my Thursday episodes in January where I talk about how to do groceries what to have in the kitchen, even how to travel. I also have a guide that you can download with pretty much printable sheets that you can take to the grocery store with you. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. And as always, my friends, I want to thank you for being a listener. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave an honest review as well at ratethispodcast.com forward slash HLS. This helps us to spread our message. And as always, thank you for being a listener.